0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037TheGame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's- Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game.
1: And welcome everyone to a brand new edition of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live as per the use from the 103.7 The Game studios and I'm feeling pretty darn good for the most part. I think there's some good stuff and also some stuff that I'm going to get into on this show today that I'm looking forward to. Hopefully you are as well. Appreciate you listening in however you're doing so be it through the free one hundred three seventy Game mobile app, or through that old-school FM dial, the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit, and space is the place. So make sure you listen in on that as well. And also, if you're listening through that Amazon Echo, Google Home, appreciate that as well, because, hey, that's the way things are these days. You can listen to us a ton of different ways and the year 2020, maybe in 2021, you'll just be able to say, hey, I want to to listen to 103.7, the game, and boom, it'll pop up in the atmosphere. I don't know, but that's the hope. But hopefully you're listening in and enjoying yourself on a Louisiana Saturday morning right before LSU takes on the Ole Miss Rebels. We're going to talk about that game and a whole lot more. But first, as I like to do each and every Saturday to start off the show during high school football season, and also, for the last time, this football season. Because, well, technically, we won't have any high school football games to recap next Friday. Those will be state title games that's going to be starting on Sunday. Maybe talk a little bit about those games during my hour-long show next week, but hopefully you enjoy it nonetheless on a Louisiana Saturday morning. Now, let's get to the fun stuff. With the fastest three minutes, the last ride... Of 2020. We start in class 5A in the Acadiana High Wrecking Rams, hosting number five Destrahan in one of the semifinal matchups. And Acadiana took care of business, shut him down, open up shop with a 23 0 shutout win over Destrahan. They advance, and they'll be taking on number 6, Alexandria, who beat West Monroe 33-17. We jump to Class 4A, and we go about a couple football throws away from here to the open-air Crowdome, where they were taking on the Neville Tigers. It was a game everybody was anticipating heavily. Lo and behold, the story done changed Here is Neville, the last few years, had always been that kind of the, the, the glass ceiling, that the... the The Golden Bears were never able to break, but Friday night they did. They broke through the other side like the doors, and they handled business, winning 49-7. The Golden Bears are headed to the state championship. That is something I'm absolutely thankful for. 35-13, Edna Carr beats Warren Easton. It'll be the Golden Bears' number one seed, number two seed Edna Carr, in Natchitoches, they both punched their tickets to Turpin. That's going to be a main event unlike any other. Then we get to Class 3A action. The only other Acadian area team involved in the state semifinals. Madison Prep and Church Point squaring off. The number nine seed, Madison Prep, pulls off a pretty sizable upset, winning 22-16. to 16. And they'll be taking on a Union Parish, who beat up on Lake Charles College Prep, winning 43-8. So it's going to be nine, number nine, Madison Prep, taking on number two, Union Parish. Class 2A, number one man who made sure the clock struck midnight on this Cinderella story as the number 12 team, General trash in Class 2A, fell 83-36. to Meanwhile, Kinder gained a little bit of revenge from Mangum last night. 19-13 win in Class 2A. So to be number one, Manny taking on number six Kinder, definitely a that should be a, a fun final. Then we go to Class One A, Oak Grove fifty nine over number five Homer twelve. So Oak, Oak Grove advances state to state finals, and you also have Grand Lake thirteen to eight win over East Iberville. So you got Oak Grove. Number one seed, number three seed, Grand Lake Boats squaring off. That's going be one hell of a ball game in Natchitoches. Now let's flip it on over to the select side. The select bracket was already kind of finished off last week. But let's give you a little refresher in case you forgot about how the, class, how the divisions are working out this year with the state finals. And it seems like, for the most part, it's more the same with number four, Catholic High Baton Rouge taking on number three, C.E. Bird, It's a four seed against the three seed. Catholic High Baton Rouge has been a power for a good while. Then you got, in Division two one versus two, De La Salle versus St. Thomas More. Then you have number five, LCA. They should be ranked a little bit higher, but you know, the, the seedings worked out the way that they did. Number five, Flavia Christian taking on number two, St. Charles. And finally... In Division 4, Calvary Baptist, number one seed, taking on number three seed, Watchdog Christian, who has Cajuns commit Hunter Herring in the mix. That should be a fun one, to say the least. Several great games involving Acadia area teams, and more importantly, really solid state championship matchups. The one I'm most looking forward to, without a doubt, is the game that's going to be airing on Z1059. I believe this is going to be not this coming Tuesday, but the next Tuesday. At Turpin Stadium, the home of the Northwestern State Demons. we got to talk about it. Karen and Nakar. It's a one versus two seed, and this is just amazing. Because I was pretty much saying this since last year, because I was definitely feeling what was going on with this Karen Crow Golden Bears team from last year. From the second last year in it, because you knew there was so much talent that was coming back. A lot of seniors, a lot of just veteran players. Tavion Falk, Kendra Williams, popcorn praise on coming back from injury. That was going to be massive. You got guys like Bailey Dispanning, a two-lane commit. Guy signed on the dotted line earlier this week for them. Kendra Williams still waiting to see him commit to the culture. He should. We also got a lot of other great players on that program. Those were just some of the big highlights. This team, I feel like, has every chance to do what they haven't done since 1992. They've been there two other times in 96 and 2011. I think this is the year they finally break on through and win another state title in high school football. I hope that's the case. I absolutely hope that's the case. This The next couple Tuesdays, I'm going to be just sitting at my house, or sitting here actually, be in the studios on that fateful Tuesday night right before the year wraps up. And I'm sure shooting going to be listening in after I'm done here on 103.7 The Game. After we flip over to whatever we're doing, I'm immediately turning on my radio, turning on the Z1059 mobile app, and listening into to this contest. Because this is going to be, without a doubt, the biggest contest that the Cameron Golden Bears have all year. They started off the year beating West Monroe, a team that just came up short, losing to Alexander 33-17. They beat the power that is West Monroe. That is a statement unlike any other. I have a feeling that things are going to go right in 2020 for this Golden Bears team because Tony Corville and crew, they absolutely deserve it. They absolutely deserve every opportunity to be state champions once again. The last time they went there was back in 2011, back when Jalen Nixon, Jalen Nixon, was the quarterback of those Golden Bears and became a quarterback for the Raging Cajuns so on and so forth, it's absolutely where I'm kind of just looking forward to seeing how this whole thing goes. And then we got, you know, Acadia, the Acadia and Ohio Reckon Rams. They're going to be taking on Alexander. That should be a fun matchup. I just feel like that is going to be a, relatively speaking, easy win for those Wrecking Rams to win their second straight state title because the way they've been playing in this postseason, especially last Friday, a twenty-three to nothing yesterday, twenty-three nothing win over Deschanel, a number five seed, And it was just not even close, and it was a really fast-paced game. Don't be surprised if if more of the same happens in that contest. Outside of that though, I mean, I think Madison Prep wins Class Three A. The way they played, I think they have every chance to do so. Union Paris is going to put up a hell of a challenge, though, in my mind. But it's, it's a tough break for John Craig Arsenal and crew not quite handling their business, but I'm looking forward to it. Then we get to Manny taking on General Tras, number one seed. They Manny just dominated that team, but it was definitely, it feels almost like a basketball score, 83-36 in high school, versus, you know, a... Like it, it, was a more of a track meet. Dude. If you took the over/under in that game, one, you're a degenerate of all degenerates, and number two, this is definitely a fun thing to watch. Meanwhile, you have Kinder beating Mangum—a little bit of revenge. So number one, Manny; number six, Kinder. I think Manny wins that one. Just I don't know a whole heck of a lot about Manny, but it just feels like that's the way to go. Oak Grove, I think they beat Grand Lake. Calhoun High and Baton Rouge—I feel like they they're going to come up short against CE Bird in Division One, Division Two. St. Thomas Moore, and then we got Division Three. I think i got to go with LCA because LCA has been on absolute tear the last few years, so, so give me the Knights. The Knight train's going to keep on rolling, and I'm going to go ahead and go with Watchdog Christian, Division Four state champs. Hopefully that actually does happen. All right, it's under the dome with CD, and this is going to be a little bit of a different show than most. We're only going an hour and a half. We're going until 1230. That's when LSU pregame show does start. And we got a lot of things to get to. In the next segment, usually I start off Hour 2 with this. I want to dedicate some time here. I want to come out the gates with this. Because, again, I had the fastest three minutes to start the show. we will have Ross Jackson on at 1130. But I want to leave myself plenty of room to let loose, if you will. Because I've got some things I want to get off my chest. And, brother, you're going to hear it. I'll talk about that next. So make sure you're listening in right here on 103.7thegame and 103.7thegame.com.
0: CD may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay off me, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game, Acadiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game, 103.7 The Game.com. A little run-run Rudolph with Lemmy of Motorhead, Dave Girl, and Billy Gibbons to kind of kick-start your Saturday. It's the week before Christmas. We're on the day after Christmas, it'll feel weird to play Christmas music, and especially if you know me well enough, I'm not necessarily the hugest fan of Christmas music, but hey, make sure you check out the Louisiana Christmas Channel if you are that big person that loves to hear Some Christmas music. we got all kinds of great stuff for that. So make sure you check it out. Download the free mobile app or go to LouisianaChristmasChannel.com. There's plenty of ways to listen in to that bad boy. So make sure you check that out right here, right now. And also make sure, as you heard earlier, the Christmas comes early sweepstakes. Make sure you get in on that action ASAP as possible. But now we're we're going to stop the festivities in terms of the world of, you know, celebrating Christmas because consider this the festivist segment and my airing of grievances and I've got a lot of problems not with you people you people are cool and hey if you want to call in 337-706-0111 but I've got grievances and let's get to those right now in your Saturday Sports Sermon
0: the famous CB is on his soapbox to start your Saturday Oh, test It's time for your Saturday Sports
1: Sermon. I think many of you probably knew the second this news came out that I was going to go to town on it. And I will do this right now. The Sun Belt Conference screwed up majorly. I've got a lot of things to get off my chest when it comes to the Sun Belt Conference is what you did on Thursday. Would make the was not only make the fun belt less fun, but you also proved something that I thought a long time ago. That you continue to make yourself irrelevant. We'll talk about that in a second. First off, let, let's just let's just talk. Let's just talk about what happened this past Thursday. Thursday night, about nine o'clock, you tried to slyly put this one in, put this past the goalie, but nope. I wake up from a little bit of a power nap. Usually, sometimes I'll fall asleep while watching a boring Thursday night game. That's just how we do here. That's how I do. And then I I wake up, and the first thing I see is an email from the the Sun Belt Conference, a media advisory. And when you see media advisory, it usually doesn't mean good things are coming. And this was the worst thing that could have happened because the Sun Belt Conference announced. That ain't hey, you know the Sunbelt Conference title game is going to be canceled. A lot like everything else in 2020, it gets canceled, and it gets canceled. Now here's the thing. I am going to say this. I understand, completely understand where the, where you're coming from with this team and the way they do things. I understand the way this works. A defensive line coach tests positive for COVID 19. Okay, that takes out a defensive line position group because he's around all those guys. Before anybody calls in and tries to pull the Alex Jones conspiracy theory and say, hey, the some of the, 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 the conference had it in for him, the Cajuns. They wanted to protect the golden child. I don't necessarily think so. And if you want to throw the Nick Saban stuff out there, that's a whole different conversation. It's a head coach versus a defensive line coach who's in that room with all those players. The contact tracing makes perfect sense in that conversation in and of itself. So I'm not here to say that. Spare me with that BS. Spare me with that. Because I don't believe in the conspiracy theories that I've been seeing on Twitter and Facebook and some of the stuff I've seen from people sending me from those cesspools of message boards. To be honest with you, it's a lot like the people that believe the earth is flat. It's a harmless conspiracy theory, but I feel like y'all are drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much here. I think there's something a little bit shady if this were anybody else. I think there'd be some shadiness, let's say, if Alabama or, or Florida, Florida, you know, if they tested positive and the game got canceled, then I think maybe there's some fishiness going on. But it still makes me wonder, in 2020, why the game just immediately got canceled. Got canceled. Meanwhile, last night, Oregon, Oregon football, who didn't win the Sun Belt, Con- didn't win the Belt, Listen, to me the Pac-12 conference. They didn't win the Pac-12 conference. Washington did, but because Washington had to pull out due to COVID concerns, basically Oregon got the call and got into the Pac-12 title game and beat USC 31-24. Who's to say? And again, the Sunbelt Conference screwed itself because the way they set this up, they they had earlier in the last few days have bowl games announced. You could have said, hey, Sunbelt guys, just hold off on accepting bowl invites until after the Sunbelt title game. Until kickoff, then it's like it's no holds barred. Wait. App State, Georgia Southern, you guys don't do anything yet. Don't go do these don't don't accept these bowl invites just yet. Wait. Because we want to see what happens here. If something happens, we're gonna call you. Arkansas State, whoever, out of the West. Same kind of thing. Just wait wait to accept an invite. That way you don't wind up screwing yourself over in the long run. That's exactly what they did. They screwed themselves over with this. And at the fact at the beginning of the year, apparently, they decided to do the co-champions thing. That's the thing that burns my beans the most At all this. Sunbelt Conference, you screwed up big time. Making co-champions. This isn't the 1994 Royal Rumble with Bret Hart and Lex Luger going over the top rope at the same time. This isn't that. This is literally way bigger than this. And now you're basically saying, hey, co-champs. But the CFP's turning it around and saying, hey, you... Are going to watch this game? You're not. You're not going to play. Okay, we're just going to go ahead and take the top ranked team according to the C, according to the CFP and consider them the Sun Belt champion. Now, Coastal Carolina, according to the CFP at all their glory, they are the Sun Belt Conference champions. That's what really burns my beans here. But just think about this. Just just reel me this for a minute. Remember back in the first round of the playoffs, you saw several different players go ahead and several teams in the LHSA playoffs in the first round had to pull out due to COVID-19 concerns. You remember that? That was considered a forfeiture. Team advances to the next round. This should, be, should have been considered from Jump Street to be a forfeit. Make the cage of the chance. That's what you should have done. And, you know, it wouldn't have affected much in terms of your actual rankings. In terms of your actual final CFP standings, but at the end of the day, the fact that you don't have a co-champion, which is the most like idiotic thing I've ever heard of in my entire life, to have a co-champion. Imagine, like you're not going to see the college football playoff. Go ahead and say, "Hey, we're not going to play." Like you're, you're going to see them cancel the college football playoff final. They'll figure out a way to get that bad boy in, and if they have to, they won't consider co-champions. They'll just give it to whoever didn't have, didn't have an entire position group wiped out. That's where the real complaints lie for me. Because I'm sitting here and wondering to myself aloud, what are we doing? What are we doing to where the Sunbelt Conference continues to show levels of an aptitude I've n- never seen before? It all starts at the top. Keith Gill is a moron. He is a moron who just sits there on his ivory tower and says, "The uh, I don't know, I don't know." He he does not know. Yesterday during a Sunbelt teleconference call, most of his answers were whenever he got the hard questions, not the not the softball. Some people lobbed his way. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. Felt like I was hearing Jordy Holtberg give out hot takes on the air. That's how bad it was. A bad of a look look for him. A guy that basically went ghost on everybody, whatever you're supposed to be trying to promote and build up the brand of the Sunbelt Conference, whatever the football brand is better than it ever has been in its existence with App State, Coastal Carolina, Cajuns, three of your best teams. And you're not putting them over. You're not trying to build them up and say, hey, here's what we got. Some college football playoff committee, you see this? This is what we're doing. Screw all these other conferences. We deserve to be treated with respect it's garbage it's absolute bs that we sit here in 2020 and let this guy get away with it i understand he's the new commissioner in town but you think you would know that what drives the bus is football not any other sport football drives the bus for college athletics i don't know why he doesn't why they didn't comprehend you have an opportunity to have one of the greatest moments in the history of your conference National television, 230 kickoff, two top 25-ranked teams, two teams that are considered to be two of the best in the group of five, and you don't have that game happen. I understand the why, but how can you not let the Cajuns have that opportunity? You've had them fly over to Conway, South Carolina, freaking Conway, South Carolina, and have to fly right back the next day. You had some people... Actually, make the trek over to Conway to go cover that damn game. Have to fly back. You had to have people cancel flight plans that on Friday. I know RP three, Kevin Foot are prime examples. You have screwed over a lot of different people, Keith Gill. It makes me wonder what your in game here is because it makes me feel like we're seeing the man himself be a lot like Scott Farmer a few years ago. Remember that guy? Remember how that guy said about the Cajuns, uh we can we can achieve all of our goals in the Sun Belt Conference. No you can't. You can't achieve all of the so-called goals. What are your goals, Scott Farmer? What are your goals, Keith Gill? To make sure we continue to be towards at least towards according to the I-test, the I-test according to the college football playoff to continue to be below the AAC, below the Conference USA at least in terms of that I-test. You just want to stay in that same tier. You have the biggest opportunity in the world to prove yourself to be maybe better than Conference USA, maybe to be a little bit deeper than the American Athletic Conference with their with their fancy-smancy Cincinnati Bearcats. That's the only thing they got going for them in the American Athletic. It's like a few years ago when you had Houston Cougars. You have so many players to choose from. You have so many teams that are good this year that I think are going to be sustainable programs, App State, Coastal Carolina, and the Cajuns. I think they have every chance to do so. But the fact that you screwed over the Cajuns just to save the golden child that is the Coastal Carolina Clears and hope upon hope that Cincinnati lose to Tulsa so you can get a New Year's sixth Bowl makes me want to puke. And it's not Homer Radio. It's just factual. If this were any other market, I'd be sitting here saying, this is absolutely a mess. You made this mess yourself. Now you have to lie in it. And now you're going to probably sit there when Tulsa if Tulsa beats Cincinnati. I hope it doesn't happen. I I honestly hope it does not happen. I hope Tulsa gets destroyed. Tulsa gets absolutely demolished by the Bearcats. Just to prove a point. And you know what the worst part about all this is? You want to know what the worst part about all this is? Is that now, because the Sunbelt Conference tied itself in a knot, the Cages are probably going to the damn Camellia Bowl. Or the Cure Bowl. A year where you probably had the best year in program history. You beat Iowa State. You came this close to beating Coastal Carolina, which honestly wouldn't have meant as much because, you know, the the, the College Football Califf Committee would have said, no, you beat, you beat your own conference. The conference is bad this year. It's a down year for the conference. Because Coastal, because App State has one loss and the Cajuns are undefeated. You have, you have a bad conference. No, they freaking don't. They have a damn good conference. The fact that they have one loss on their record doesn't mean It should be, oh, hey, just send them off to the New Orleans Bowl, the Cure Bowl, or the Camellia Bowl, or whatever bowl you want. You can send them to the toilet bowl. That's what it feels like to me. It continues to prove why this conference is a sham. It's a sham. Keith Gill should resign tomorrow because it's damn insulting to see that. The student body, the fan base of the Cajuns deserves better. Now, is there a chance for expansion? I don't know. I'm not the person asked that question to because I'm not the person who's in charge of making these decisions. I'm just here to say it is damn insulting to me to see this go down. I cannot stand that we are seeing these conspiracy theories go about and we're continuing to see the Sunbelt Conference look like a horse's ass. Keith Gill is a horse's ass and should resign. That's the end of my take. That's the bottom line because I said so. Back after this. I'm gonna go ahead and calm down before I get Ross Jackson on because I am absolutely I've been living for the last couple days. So I'm just letting this all out, getting this stuff off my chest, and hopefully you Cajun fans that are listening are understanding that I am absolutely furious about all that's gone down with this conference over the last couple years. And this was the most damning moment of them all. And it's not because, you know, like I'm a Cajuns supporter. I I like covering the Cajuns. I like the team. It's the fact, it's just a matter of fact that you did not do a damn thing right in this. Again, back after this. I'm going to go ahead and calm down, talk with Ross Jackson about the Saints. Maybe get worked up about that too. We'll see. Back after this. 103.7 The Game, 1037 the game.com.
0: Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules, and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD. Yeah! Who will break it all down for us. <laughs> Malakilikimaka is a thing to say.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome. at CD right here on a Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And, you know, it's holiday season. Why not break out a little Christmas music? well? We're going to be back next week on the day after Christmas. The day after, hopefully, a Saints win over the Vikings. But before we get to that Saints game against the Vikings, we got to talk about what's coming up. And that is, without a doubt, the Saints-Chiefs game. Probably the biggest game of the year. For the Saints and probably the NFL, without a doubt, this is probably going to be a big game that people are just going to be tuning in to watch in droves. This is the return of Drew Brees. And now we're going to go over to the Twin Peaks hotline to talk to our guy, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Ross, what's happening, brother?
2: Hey, brother. Doing well, man. Hoping the same for you. Uh, happy holidays
1: to you. Man, Kaliki Maka to you too, man. Nailed it. <laughs> I, I, I try, I try. I try to make sure I get the, get the pronunciation right. But, man, Ross, you know, let's just kind of start things off looking at this story with the fact that you have the Drew Brees coming back and Michael Thomas is now out. Isn't it the most 2020 thing of all time?
2: <laughs> it is. It is just, just perfect enough, isn't it, to where it's like you can allow Saints fans to be happy for a couple of hours, but immediately something's going to get taken away. And in this case, it was Michael Thomas. Um, yeah. And, and that's really, that, that really stinks because, I mean, you look at the, the receivers that Kansas City plays in the AFC West for the most part outside of Keenan Allen. They don't really match up with a guy like Michael Thomas at all, uh, in their usual rotation of games. And so having Michael Thomas as a part of this game plan would have been huge for the Saints, but. I just imagine that they'll you know, do like they've done before with Michael Thomas out. Now the the drop-off from Michael Thomas, the second receiver, and Emmanuel Sanders is not nearly as, as steep as it was last year when you were talking about dropping from Michael Thomas to Ted Ginn, Jr., for instance. Um, and, you know, look, Alvin Kamara has essentially had himself a nice four-game rest, essentially, so he might get a lot of work tomorrow.
1: It's definitely going to be fun to see what's going to happen there tomorrow with Drew Brees coming back. I think that means also that we see Alvin Kamara probably get used a lot more, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at you know before uh, the, the 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 nine games before um, where Drew Brees was playing, the nine games that Drew Brees started, Alvin Kamara had over 600 or so receiving yards during all of those. He had several touchdowns through the air as well, and then you saw his time during. You know, with uh, Taysom Hill, really it wasn't until this most recent game where he caught eight passes, but he only caught eight passes for 44 yards in there. A lot of passes outside his frame, having to readjust and sort of realign and and, and sort of fix his positioning after making those catches. Now with Drew Brees back in the lineup, a little bit more touch on those passes, a little bit more of an ability to hit him in stride, either coming out of the backfield or in the backfield, more of those kind of arrow routes, those Texas routes that we're used to seeing him Use over the middle the option routes that he would usually run to where he and Drew Brees will be on the same page, looking at zone coverage and knowing where the route is going to go. Those types of developing things, those things that develop in play, we didn't see as much with Taysom Hill, just simply because of you know I mean it was the guy got four starts, right? You're not going to see that type of intricacy in his uh, in his reps, but you'll see all of that come back with Drew Brees, and Drew Brees is going to need it too because I assume he's going to want to stay uh, pretty much close to the line of scrimmage for most of this game. Just in in the intent of getting the ball out quickly.
1: So right now, Rawls Jackson locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Let's take a look back at that Saints Eagles game. I think it just felt inevitable that eventually you were going to have that streak get snapped. But to have mm-hmm. two guys rush for over a hundred yards, that was definitely unprecedented.
2: Yeah, that was. That was. I mean, look, if you're going to break the streak, I guess you go ahead and break it big, right? I mean. Like, you give me one of those guys or the other, and I feel a little bit better. But, you know, when you have two guys rush over two, over 100 yards each, you allow almost 250 yards on the ground after being one of, if not the best run defense uh, since 2017. I mean, they've been incredible. And so it was just a big-time uncharacteristic loss for them, uh, really in all three phases, but certainly allowing two 100-yard rushers and then almost 250 yards on the ground was probably – one of the most uncharacteristic things that we saw from the Saints in that loss to Philadelphia.
1: I think, if anything, like I was thinking for a second, like probably a couple weeks ago, I'm like, the, the string's got to come to an end sooner or later, and it right. felt like maybe the Chiefs game would have been the one to have it break off because you know Clyde Edwards Alaire, he could probably have a big game against any defense in the league, and I'm sure yeah. th- this would be one of those where he'd pop off.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you look at. At Clyde's production over the last few games in the run game he hasn't been super utilized I would say he's been very underutilized since probably the first couple of weeks of the game uh, first couple of weeks of the season so it felt like it was one of those things to where you know you would see him kind of come in a little bit under the radar and then all of a sudden be able to, to really you know crack off a, a big day is what it felt likely to me, either that or the Christmas Day game against Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was recently the closest to breaking that 100-yard streak in the wildcard game last year. I think he had about 94 yards in that one. And so those are the two that I was really looking at. But absolutely, I mean, you expected those, want that streak to come to an end eventually, uh, just certainly not in the style that it did. All
1: right, Ross, you got, you've got seen four performances out of Taysom Hill as a starter in the NFL I think the real question is: After what you saw in those four games, I, I'm, you know, screw it. I'm going to say three games because again, we're not counting the Denver Broncos, game. right? The three games right. with the two games against the Falcons and the one against the Eagles on the road. What kind of grade do you give Taysom Hill and his performance in the Saints' offense? And could he be the, How much did he sell to you that he could be the guy for this franchise going forward?
2: Um, I'll be honest. I mean, he he made me feel a little bit better about the idea. We have to, of course, keep into context that what he looks like coming in, you know, a week after Drew Brees getting hurt is going to be very different than what he would look like as a starting quarterback with a full offseason to implement an offense. Right. So you're you're kind of extrapolating a little bit from what you saw. I would give him around maybe like a C C plus. Um, and and really the big knock for me. Is in, you know, his struggles in reading zone coverage, which is just something that's going to come with reps and experience. I understand that, but the turnovers were the big, were the big thing for me. I mean, you know, he fumbled in every single one of those games that he played, that he started most of them twice, uh, turning the ball over the, the interceptions as well were, were costly. Um, But but the fumbles in particular is something that I'm very concerned about, particularly when you talk about him as a running quarterback. That's what his style would be. The added value is that he can escape and that he can get outside and that he can run. But if he can't hold on to the ball, then how relevant, how important is that really, right? How how much weight does that end up carrying? So I think that there's good things that we saw from him. There are things that you still have to wait to see improvement on that just come with the reps. There's always going to be the age conversation as well as it too late for him to develop? to develop. We would have to see. We don't know yet. But I would probably put him around sort of that C-plus area. I think he carried the team well. I mean, they did win three games with him, two and one out of the three games that we're talking about. But some of those issues that you saw that continued from the the year's worth of evaluations that we've had on him so far, those things are concerning.
1: Well, now Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast at Canal Street Chronicles. And you know, one of the big things that you brought up is the fact it's going to be a different offense once Taysom, when Taysom Hill does take over. How much different do you think this offense will be once Taysom Hill takes over, and we see a full off season? Because it feels like, honestly, you don't have to change much with the offense. You could change really help Taysom become a different kind of quarterback and become more of a Drew Brees archetype, to where you don't have to change the offense all that much. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't opened up the playbook for for uh, Taysom.
2: Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, during his first start, you could see that a lot of his game plan was very much the same as Drew Brees. Quick passes, um, you know, throwing some passes behind the line of scrimmage, but then he had a little bit of the added value of being able to run and extend plays with his legs, being able to throw down the field a bit. You know, I think that some of the things that still need to be worked on that would open up the playbook, still rests within Taysom, right? Like, you know, some of the concepts against zone coverage, some of the zone coverage beaters, things like that. He does very good against man coverage. But the touch passing, the, the, the ability of the lead receivers, the ability to throw receivers open, those are things that are still developing. And if you have to see that before the playbook completely opens up for him. But, you know, designed runs, his ability to be able to get out of the pocket and then make a more concise decision to run, do that with conviction, those are things that he can do on his own that would help him sort of open up the playbook a little bit more over on his end as well, because you have to think about every play with Taysom Hill at quarterback as both a passing play and a running play because what he can do to escape get out of the pocket and then pick up yards with his legs
1: you ever dyed your hair blonde ross yeah absolutely not (laughs) isn't the weirdest thing like you've seen all the (laughs) like the entire defensive line is just dying their hair blonde
2: i guess there's a conversation of buy-in that's happening amongst all of them so at least there's something that's kind of you know camaraderie that's happening there but uh I would have to say that if I was a part of that defensive line, and that was the idea that came up, I would, you know, dye my hair blonde in spirit, and just kind of let everybody know that I support them, <laughs> and then I would just kind of move on. <laughs> like, like I'm
1: a- I don't know why. Just people have been talking about that nonstop, and it's like, is it really the big conversation piece here? That he that all these guys like Trey Henderson out there dyeing his hair blonde. It's like okay, and I'm like honestly, <laughs> I, honestly, like I didn't know anything about it until like it was brought up. And he saw, I saw people on Twitter talk about it. It's like, wait a minute. He dyed his hair blonde, and then they lose. Undy it. Right. Hurry up and undy it. Like, come on now.
2: Get it back. Get it back. Undy.
1: <laughs> Just, he controls Z on that thing, and we'll yeah, be exactly. at, back to am <laughs> uh, Exactly. Yeah, Ross, before, before I let you go, we obviously like to have a little fun here. So why not learn the Christmas spirit? And I saw this pop up. I think I've asked you this before, but I'm go ahead and ask it again. Is Hard uh-huh. a Christmas movie? Oh, yes. Thank you. Like, oh yeah. I don't yes. know why. Like, Absolutely. apparently, apparently, Wikipedia has added status as a Christmas, Christmas film on the Die Hard page.
2: It added it, it. It added its status as a Christmas
1: film. Like, it added a little like article inside of it, being like its status as a Christmas film, talking about the debate about it.
2: Oh, there's no debate. It is a Christmas film. That that's what the article. That's what that paragraph should be. I'm gonna go rewrite that paragraph. And then I'm just gonna make it really simple. This is a Christmas film. Die Hard is a Christmas film. Period. Done. We're finished here. Also, Iron Man three, totally a Christmas movie. Not a great movie, but totally a Christmas movie.
1: Are you in the same camp that Spider Man's a Thanksgiving movie? Oh, it is definitely a Thanksgiving movie.
2: <laughs>
1: it's. All I didn't know never about thought
2: about that before. I've actually never thought about that before. I haven't heard that argument, but when you said it. It made perfect
1: sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw somebody bring it up. It's like you saw him with the Thanksgiving turkey. I think they had the uh, Thanksgiving Day-like Macy's Day Parade. So maybe right. maybe there was, like, a little more validity to it. I have to go rewatch it. Favorite Christmas movie, Ross?
2: Uh, my favorite Christmas movie is Muppet Christmas Carol. Nice. It's my absolute favorite.
1: Me, it's always going to be a Christmas story. I, I, I just absolutely love it. love it. And every single, like, it's scary because, like, it's on twenty four hours a day on Christmas Eve, going into Christmas Day. And anytime I'm watching it, I can pretty much like flip it over and pinpoint the exact scene they're on. I can almost do it like oh, verbatim. It's it's <laughs> it's scary good. And it's a scary That's scary awesome. talent that I have. Favorite I Christmas that. song, Ross. You. Say again? Favorite Christmas song.
2: Oh, my favorite Christmas oh, my favorite Christmas song is Carol of the Bells. Um Okay, I, I got you. You know, what I mean, as like a theater kid, like because of the
0: fact that it is
2: so like beautifully arranged and everything, like it, it, that's that's definitely my favorite one. But if I wanted to go for a fun one, though, I want to Hippopotamus for Christmas, hands down.
1: I like that one a lot, Ross. Now, with, with Carol of the Bells, are you more <laughs> the traditional style, or is a Trans Siberian Orchestra that gets you going?
2: Good question. I'm more of the traditional style, but I have an appreciation for the Trans-Severian Orchestra one, if nothing else but because of Dwight from The Office. Yes,
1: thank you, thank you.
2: (laughs) Him screaming Christmas at the end of that song, that's how that song should be arranged.
1: Exactly. Every (laughs) version
2: of that should end with him screaming the word Christmas.
1: I I love it, Ross. Thank you so much for coming on, my man. I'll give you next week off, because obviously it'll be the day after Christmas, and I've only got an hour-long show next week. Gotcha. But but heading into the postseason, we definitely are having you on.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I look forward to it. I hope that you have a Merry Christmas. And I think in that case, I'll talk to you after the New Year too, right? So yeah. then Happy New Year as well.
1: Merry New Year, brother.
2: Merry New Year, man. Take care of yourself. I'll see you soon.
1: All right, that was Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter, at RossJacksonNola. And I'm going to take a quick timeout, and I'm a, a mele maha to you as well. Right here on 103.7 The Game. And 1037thegame.com. Hour number one. Wrap it up next.
0: Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These count to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's sports station. 1037 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Tone with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. We're getting ready for LSU football against the Ole Miss Rebels. Right here, you'll hear that 12.30 pregame and also a 2.30 kick. And then after that, we got the SEC title game. So... Just do not touch that dial. Just keep it on all day long, all night long, into the rest of your weekend because we've got the NFL football and NFL triple header going on this weekend. So make sure you just keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game. Listen to all kinds of great stuff, and again, including the SEC title game where it just means more. It's going to be lit. You know what else is lit? The free 103.7 The Game clubhouse. It's free to enter, free to join. You won't be spammed or emailed. You have the opportunity to win some awesome stuff like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel. You can only win by joining the 1037 the Game clubhouse at 1037 thegamecom It's free to enter and free to join. And if you're not part of it already, what in the world are you waiting for? Get in on the action today. So, hopefully. You go do that as soon as I'm done talking. But, hey, we got some LSU old Miss action. I'll probably talk about that to start off hour number two, the half hour, the truncated second hour. Because, hey, we got LSU football. It's coming up in just a little bit. So, yeah, we're going to do that. And, hey, I'm going to go ahead and add this little log on the fire for you, if you will. I've got some stuff planned for the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, which is of three seventy Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. I host it you can listen to it right now on 1037game.com, the free mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast gimmicks, that's where you go. And we got some good stuff coming up with that as well for the holiday season. Got a bonus episode to also recap everything that's going on in the sport of professional wrestling. So check it out when you get the chance. Hour number 1 in the books. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those LSU Tigers and Ole Miss Rebels matchup, and also getting some NFL picks. You say it's a truncated edition of Under the Dome with CD. So we're gonna get all of our stuff in. Back after this on 1037 the game and 1037theGame.com.
0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037 The Game.
1: You music that sucks around Christmas.
2: Because Butt Munch, it's Christmas music. So? Why do they
1: have to play it around Christmas? Yeah, really.
0: <laughs>
2: it's like you'd think they'd want to play something cool at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> but, like, some of the Christmas songs have pretty cool names. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, the thing about the Butt Cracker.
0: Yeah, yeah. and
2: Jingle balls?
1: <laughs> Deck the balls? <laughs> Welcome everyone. Hour number two of Under the Tone with CD on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great one today. And I'm absolutely just loving this day because, hey, we got all kinds of great stuff going on, including some actual, honest-to-God football. Football today, this is just the best kind of life we're living right now, so hopefully you're enjoying it just as much as I'm enjoying it because we got so much to get to today and so much to pick. And we're going to get to that right now. Then I'll get to some predictions about LSU Ole Miss right before we wrap up the show. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing. So be it through the free 103.7 Game mobile app, the old school FM dial, and also Amazon Echo, Google Home, appreciate you listening in however you're doing so. And if you're missing anything, you can check it out on demand. We'll put it up not too long after this program signs off. Especially if you missed the rant that I had about the fun belt not being fun anymore and the co-champions and all that all that other stuff. Make sure you check it out right now on demand. They'll be up after we get off the air. Or we. It's just me because, I guess it's the royal wheat. But anyways. If you want to test your knowledge and prove you're better than me, which is pretty easy, you can join the Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge at 1037 game.com You can try and beat all of us here at 1037 game Right now, I'm currently gunning for our guy RP3. I'm getting close to you, buddy, so don't think that you're that comfortable just yet. Because your boy's coming for you. But in the meantime and in-between time, let's get some picks for this week. In the league where they play for pay, we're going to start off with the Buffalo Bills against the Denver Broncos. Part of the Saturday double-header action definitely feels weird to see that. The fact that in the Twin Peaks Pro Pickup Challenge. It doesn't have that in a setup. It's basically just strewn about. I have to kind of look for it. But we got the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Football Broncos. And honestly, it's pretty easy. Five-and-a-half-point favorites are those Bills. And we know what we say here, folks. No one circles the wagons quite like the Buffalo Bills. And I go with Buffalo Bills getting it done this afternoon. Uh, I think it's a four thirty Eastern time kickoff, so three thirty our time, and then we got a seven fifteen kickoff with the Green Bay Packers taking on a team from North Carolina, the Panthers, with all their sharp teeth and claws. Feels like they've been declawed all season long without Christian McCaffrey for a good bit of the season. Thank you very much, Fantasy Gods. Give me those Packers from Green Bay. Wisconsin! Give me Mr. Aaron Rodgers showing him around the neighborhood and getting the win. Like that's an eight-point spread. I think Carolina does cover that, though, but it's still going to be the Green Bay Packers beating that team from North Carolina. Then we get to the Sunday slate of games. It's the Houston Texans taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Definitely going to be an interesting ball game with the Texans kind of in a weird limbo, if you will, taking on an Indianapolis Colts team, trying to secure the bag and get an AFC South title. Give me those Indianapolis Colts. Old Man Rivers continues to get it done. That is currently a 7.5-point spread in favor of Indy. Give me Indy winning in the cover. Then we get to Detroit Rock City. They be taking on those Tennessee Titans, trying to kind of keep things in check as well. The AFC South, give me the Titans, getting it done. Meanwhile, by the way, Thursday night football, I picked the Raiders to beat the Chargers. I, don't know, I lost my behind on that one. Thanks a lot, but I'll give credit. Marcus Mariotto got it, got it done. Really kept the team in it. But of course, the Chargers had to pull off a pretty sizable upset in the Twin Peaks Pro Pickle Challenge. Anyways, let's go over to Minnesota. Let's go up to the north, and with Minnesota taking on the Chicago Bears, die Bears! I gotta go with the go with those Vikings. The new men on the Minnesota Vikings—they are a way different team, and the Bears—they just continue to struggle, and it's amazing. And you hate to see it, right? Currently, it's three-point spread right now. I, I'm surprised. It should be higher, to be honest. It opened up as a six-point. I'm surprised it's now three. Give me, give me Minnesota winning that one in covering. Then we get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Atlanta Fail Cans, who have just absolutely sucked all season long. Give me the Buccaneers getting it done against my better judgment. Then we get to the Seattle Seahawks taking on the unlikeliest of unlikely teams to make it, to possibly make it into the postseason as the Washington football team. The fighting Nealon Branches, the fighting Joe McHughes, the fighting RP3s. They're all pulling for WFT to get the win. in. But I think we see the Seahawks send them home with an L-O-double-S. Ha-ha! <laughs> Gimme the Seahawks getting the win. Seahawks currently six-point favorites. Six and a half point favorites, excuse me. I think Seattle wins, but Washington does cover that spread. Then we get to Jacksonville and Baltimore. The team from Duval has been absolute doo-doo. AEW has done way better than the Jacksonville Jaguars in Daily Field. The stadium stampede continues, and it's going to be a beatdown, and the Baltimore Ravens get the win. Currently 13-point favorites. Mind-blowing to see that kind of spread in the league where they play for pay. Give me the Ravens to win in cover. Then we get to the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Dallas Cowgirls, excuse me, Cowboys. And the Cowboys are getting ready for a really, really good ball game. I think they have a chance to win this one. They're going to get the win and move on. It's going to be a very tight ball game. I think we go with this. It's currently a three-point spread, so neutral site. This would be a pick'em. So I'm going to go with the 49ers winning, and I think they cover that spread. Then we get to the most lopsided spread of the day with the New York Football Jets, who absolutely suck taking on a mediocre, at best, Rams team. Yeah, they're 9-4, and four, but I feel like they have some issues that are overwhelming. But that is a 17 point spread. 17 and a half, according to some other books. But that is lopsided as all. Well. Get out, giving the Rams winning and covering that whopping spread. Then we get to Philly. Philly trying to make it two straight against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, their stadium just had some weird crap happen it will be another prime example of weird-ish happening. The Cardinals get the win, get it done. And then we get to the main event of the evening. The Kansas City Chiefs currently three-point favorites against the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees back. But Michael Thomas isn't back. He's on the shelf. He's injured. That ankle bothering him once again. So for me... I'm going to go against the heart, go with the brain, go with the smart money here, and go with the Chiefs getting the win. I think Clyde Edwards and have a big ball game against the New Orleans Saints. Basically, whoever, go, whoever puts up 31st wins this ball game. Bottom line. Then we get to Sunday night football. Waiting all day for a Sunday night and we get to the Cleveland Browns taking on those New York football giants. This is a flex game, and I love the fact that it's flex because the Browns deserve to flex a little bit, and they're going to flex all over. The New York football giants in their turd of a stadium and win. Give me the Browns to win. That is currently a 6.5 point spread. Originally opened up as a 1 point spread. Favorite for the Browns. Vegas is losing its mind. They had that opening line at minus one. Six and a half point spread for the the Cleveland Browns. They win and cover that one. Easy. Then we get to the, excuse me, let me find it. The Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cincinnati Bengals. I got to go with with the Steelers getting the win here. There's no way they're losing three in a row. Especially to the job squad that is the Cincinnati Bengals post Joe Burrow. Also, I didn't mention this: New England Miami, two and a half point, excuse me, one and a half point spread. This is almost a pick'em right now. New England Miami, woof. I, I I'm gonna go against my better judgment here. The history says go Dolphins in this one, because when it's in Miami, I talk about Arizona having crazy stuff happen. When it's in Miami, this is their Super Bowl when they play the Patriots. And they have a chance to try and slide into a possible wild-card spot. So I think, I think the Dolphins win this one, approved to 9-5 on the year. And it really shows how much better this team is going to become. And I'm looking forward to seeing the future of the Miami Dolphins with Tua Tungvala in there. I think they've done really well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do tomorrow I think that's, I'm going to see how the how the game map works this week. Because, again, this is the biggest thing that I just can't stand is the fact that, like, in 2020, the Saints have had, like, almost every game be kind of that prime time or 325 slate. So you've really got to look and see what games are going to be on tap. I'm going to pull that up right now. Oh, it's New England-Miami. Okay, that's the game I'm going to watch then. Because in our market, it's going to be the New England-Miami game is going to be your early one on CBS, and you're not going to have a Fox game. You're going to have a single game, I believe. But that's going to be Tampa Bay-Atlanta. I'll pass on that. It's going to be your early games. And obviously you've got the Sunday afternoon ball game between the Saints and the Chiefs. You'll be able to check that out. And that'll be the late game for everybody except for Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, you're right. Phoenix, Arizona is the only, only market that's not getting the game due to NFL contractual obligations. That is mind-blowing. Like, it's basically the Phoenix market is missing out on probably the biggest game of the year. I don't know why. I guess uh, their CBS affiliate didn't bother paying the bill and didn't want bother trying to negotiate. Because all I've been seeing lately, I'm sure everybody else, let me know if you're tired of this. Those, like, notifications that keep popping up about, hey, oh, hey, you know, CBS and DirecTV currently in another, like, grapple trying to get a new deal together, but, oh, hey, it's not getting together, so you're going to lose your channels. You're going to lose all these shows and more. I'm like, guys, you know, why does this have to be a thing every year, especially if you don't have cable? If you don't have cable, let's say, if you're a cord cutter and you use, like, YouTube TV, you still get that message. If you have cable and you don't deal with satellite, why do we keep seeing that message? Maybe that's just me ranting and raving about something stupid again, but you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's always something that kind of has bugged me in the past. All right, it's under the dome at CD right here on 103.7thegame.com. When we come back, we'll talk some LSU Ole Miss Rebels football right here on 1037 the game. 1037thegame.com. Back after this.
0: From the preps to the pros and everywhere in between. I gave it a 10. A A 10. Let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana's sports station. 1037, The Game.
2: Whoa, The song's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Out. Better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling
1: you why. Is to Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia sports station 1037 the game and 1037theGame.com. Coming to you live from the 1037 the game studios. Appreciate you listening in right before we wrap up the program. We're gonna get into the LSU pregame show in about eight minutes or so. So we have just enough time to kind of get into what's calls and all this with the LSU Tigers after their big old-fashioned win over those Florida Gators. Florida man throws a shoe, costs the team an opportunity, get into college football playoff, you hate to see it. And, hell, I'd love for Florida and Clemson to win. That way we could just see how much chaos we could possibly create. Hell, I had the fact, you know, let's go ahead and have them, uh, the fighting Reese Davises get it done against Northwestern. Give me all the chaos possible just to do whatever you want. But Cincinnati has to be Tulsa. That's the other thing. And Cincinnati needs to stomp a mud hole, walk it DRY dry. Stomp that mud hole, and make sure that this Tulsa team does not even come close to upsetting him. And then we can talk about, oh, hey, Tulsa Carolina has to go play a bowl game that they don't want to be in. Because I'm looking forward to seeing how that whole thing goes. But hopefully, every great Saturday afternoon, you get ready for a big old fashioned ball game. And for me, I think the biggest key is. Can Max Johnson keep up with this so-called high-powered offense? Because they have an offense with Ole Miss that is really good, but they don't have a whole lot of their talent back this week. Elijah Moore decided, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and head out and opt out and go ahead and focus on the draft the last game of the season. I should say he quit on his team, just like everybody else says. He quit on his team. So for me, without a doubt, he quit on his team a lot like what we saw with him uh, a lot of other players including Eric Gilbert he quit on his team. There's a reason why I'm just going to continue to say that. Quit on his team. But I'm interested to see how it goes for LSU in this match. Because they have an opportunity to avoid being below 500 cuz I don't I've been trying to figure this out cuz I don't have a, I don't I'm not the historian. and I'm trying to, had a losing season. That's what I'm wanting to know. Last time they had a losing season. And I'm sure you've got to go a good ways back to find that exact time frame. I think I talked about a few weeks ago, and it was 1999. They, were, they weren't they were partying like it was 1999. 3-8 and eight on the year, 1-7. and seven, The last year of Jerry DiNardo, after he started off pretty strong with a 7-4 and four in one year, then you had 10-2, 9-3, then it just dropped down bad. After being towards the top in the West Division, tied for first, and winning in the Peach and Independence Bowl, the conversation changed. And now LSU went from being towards the top to being in the bottom like really quickly. Then Nick Saban came around, and they haven't had a losing season since. Right now you are knocking on the door of 4-6. and six. You win today, you go 5-5. Five and five. I think 500 is is probably what you would love to see right now. At the end of the year, you'd be six and six. It's time to let Ed Ozeron go. I think that's absolutely the best case scenario for him. I'm hoping that happens because, man, oh man, I do not want to hear everybody start crying and complaining. But I think there's going to be no complaining at all from a lot of people. To be honest with you, this is exactly what's going on. It's just it's a bad year, and then you have a great national signing days, the part one, you're able to kind of do some great things in that first week of the season. And now that first few days of national signing day, now you've got a good 2021 class. It's damn strong. Now it's just making sure these guys have the want. That's, that's the real thing that I've just been wanting to kind of like talk about. If feels to a certain extent, there's no want with these guys. Cause then there's every chance that this team has talented players up and down that lineup. It feels like to a certain extent, there was no want in this team. Am I saying they quit? No. I'm not saying they gave up on the team. This isn't Mark Hutsmith in his final year as the head coach at the Cajun's where before the season even started, they gave up on him. They absolutely just, it feels like they didn't have a want this year. But I think this is a game where after what they did against Florida in the unprecedented fashion they did, It's that moment that can build towards another championship down the road. It can build, and I hope it does. I I, I really hope it does. I know people think I'm an LSU hater, and it's just ingrained in their mind that I am. But, you know, I want to see LSU do good things. And I will always say this. I am going to tell you when things are good and when things are bad. I'm always going to be that way. I'm never going to be, oh, hey, largely always trying to toot the horn of LSU or even the Cajuns. When the Cajuns are struggling, I will tell you like it is. I think they're struggling. Here's what's going on. Here's what's going wrong. I'm not going to tell you how to fix it because, honestly, I'm not a coach. I don't know what's going on behind that locker room. But I do know that there's so much opportunity for this team to grow, and I hope they do grow. I wholeheartedly believe they have every chance to be back in like the top two or top three in the next year. It's just you need to have that meeting. After the season's over, this team needs to be able to be in touch for the rest of the year and just talk. And talk about what's going on and how we can how we can kind of mend the fence and move forward. Because it feels like to a certain extent there's been a big debate about whether or not the team gave up on – Cocho after the the rally and the march, and after that happened, and Cocho wasn't there. He didn't know about it, and him showing up on Fox News rubbed people the wrong way. You know, I'm not here to speculate on that rumor in any window BS. I'm not. I don't even know if it's true, but I'm just looking at those statements, and it makes you kind of question what's going on. But that's about. That's gonna kind of about do it for us here with under the dome with CD. So hopefully you have a great rest of your Saturday and be back with you next Saturday, the day after Christmas, day after Saints Vikes, for only an hour because the NFL bumps me over. So enjoy that. Manek Kliki Maha and I'll talk to you next Saturday. Peace.
2: like uh have a merry christmas and uh, a happy uh yule tide or something